Hello and welcome to the Body Electric Podcast. This is episode 19 for May 22nd, 2016, and my name is Nathan Hiltz. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, the last time I did one of these is way back in February. I apologize about that, but I've got a little four-month-old daughter at home named Leah. She's been keeping me really busy. Uh, but I'm happy to be back online today. I've got some great new guests uh, lined up over the next month. And today's uh, guest is Tony Zorzi. He's a prolific pit and studio guitarist, and he's a fellow instructor at the Humber College of Music. He took some time out of his crazy guest schedule to uh, sit down and chat with me. I hope you enjoy the program, and you can visit www.nathanhiltz.com for more podcasts. Uh, thanks a lot, and see you later. Bye. All right. Great. Hey, Ready Tony, what's happening? <laughs> Hello again. How much? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good to see you. Good. Good to see you. Yeah, good yeah. Thanks for coming by my place. It's cool. Yeah, very nice place. Nice yeah. neighborhood. Yeah, it's really good. It's, yeah. yeah. And uh, thanks for bringing all your gear, your pedals. Gizmos. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty amazing. It's my, uh, my crutch. Oh yeah? <laughs> okay. No, crutch. Yeah. yeah. You'd like to have them with me. Yeah. Sometimes even if I uh, think I'm not going to need them, I'm, uh, if I'm doing a gig or something, it's just, yeah, I always feel like, ah, geez, a little reverb right now, or the, the things just take a twist. Oh, we're, we're only playing an hour of uh, dead music. It turns out we're doing some pop stuff and you're stuck, right. you know, without what, mm-hmm. what you would like to have. So it's just as easy to take a full pedal board for me than, than, I, than I snap up a few things. Right about powering separately three little patch cables or mm-hmm. whatever you know. So anyway, it's actually not that huge. Like you know, no, it's I, I feel pumps. like you're known as a guy that is great with pedals. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I sort of expected maybe twice as much as you got here. But you got what? But oh, I own them four times as much. Right, 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 <laughs> if not five. But this yeah. is what, this is my main thing, and it's a work in, It's always a work in progress. Right. It's little, uh, and you know what? Mostly, mostly the overdrives because they're always kind of coming out with new stuff or I revisit old stuff that's ah I need that thing back on because I really dig that but the meat and potatoes the tremolo hasn't changed for a long time I love these delays they're just old discontinued boss DD5s which are no brainers for me I'm just used to using them right you know in terms of the tap tempo and they're just the functionality how they fit nice and small and this Nunabar reverb is again small and as I uh, mentioned earlier everything just runs off one nine volt uh, power supply. That is, power all is just like that's so incredible. It's so it's so no simple. noise or anything like that from uh, no just no no. I've tried being it. If there's any noise that's entered by running through pedals, it's just because maybe like the Boss pedals aren't known for having the best buffers or something, right? right. They're, they're so that you know if you really want to be picky, the slightest amount of kind of hiss comes through. But I'm talking mm. nothing you'd ever notice, you know. What uh, was your uh, what was your first guitar pedal like? Uh, oh God, I think that. My first guitar pedal might have been something I ordered from a Eaton's catalog. Really? And it was, it, it, yeah, 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 back in the day. Well, now I'm getting right. away with my age, right? But they, uh, yeah, they used to sell s- stuff, like middlemans, like one distortion pedal, maybe a wah-wah, some cheap guitar. But the funny thing was back in the day, I don't know if anybody who's my age would remember, like if you ordered something, almost anything actually, and they were out of stock of that particular item, they would send you an upgrade. And if you didn't want it for some, you could send it back. But there's actually send you something that was worth more. And that's what happened when I think my first pedal I ordered. I can't remember what I ordered. I, I think it was probably a straight ahead fuzz box or something. So this right. would have been uh, late, late 60s, maybe. Right. Wow. Well. Yeah, mid. Right. Yeah, no, because I'm. That's I was born in 55. Okay. Yeah. So, cool. yeah. So fuzzes came out around, you know. 
you know, if you think about color sound, all those things. And but the, anyway, I didn't. I don't even remember the name of it. But I remember they sent me something that was probably worth twice as much. Really? And as I look back, I, I don't have a hundred percent recollection, but I think if I'd held on to that thing, it would be worth a lot of money now. Wow. I think it was one of those Shin Ai Japanese fuzzes that had also had a phaser built in or something. Right. So it was like super. It was rare. like more of a, two, a rare yeah. thing, and yeah. it's like you know who knows what happened to it. That was my first one. My second, I was almost going to say my first one was, uh, my first pedal was a Zonk Fuzz, which are actually very collectible too. You ever heard of Zonk Fuzz? I haven't. No. You know Bernie LaBarge? The, uh, the guy who plays at the, uh, he's an R&B guy, he plays uh, the Dexter's Forever. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, anyway, yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. like four of them. He, he, whenever he finds them, he, he, they're so collectible, right? But this, uh, the interesting story I wanted to say about that was, because again, I was just a kid. And uh, I went into Long McQuaid. Actually, first, I, first of all, I saved all my pennies. I think they were 60 bucks or something at the time. Saved, I don't even, I think wow. I was carrying around golf bags or something at Weston Golf Course and, you know, for $2 a day kind of thing, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and so I went down there with, like, my 60 bucks. And I remember walking to Long McQuaid when it was still on Young and, like, Davenport. Mm -hmm. uh, Davenport, yeah. 830 Young or 890 Young, something like that. So the original Long McQuaid. And I walked in there ready to buy this song fuzz. And this guy who was legendary there was named Bob Abbott. I think he's still alive, but he's doing something. He's out of music now. But I, I said, I want the Zong Fuzz. And he says, you sure you want the Zong Fuzz? And I says, yeah, yeah, I want the Zong Fuzz. I was like <laughs> really horny to get yeah, it, right? Yeah. And he says, I'll bring you the Zong Fuzz, but you're going to take it home. You're going to try it out. And if you like it, then come back and give me the money. Which I thought was really weird. I'm literally like, wow. a, I'm like a little 15-year-old kid ready to give up my life savings like you know right and, and that was just the guy that's the kind of service they had back that's then so even. nice and I, I think that's why still people still i think they're them. still supportive oh, i mean man. i mean they're they'll financing they'll finance like, anybody exactly I mean, well yeah. back in the day they would not only finance anybody yeah. they would write off so much stuff you could you could take a whole trainer pal west yeah you got you don't have the money this week send in 50 bucks next week and if you know they, they were unbelievable and that was that was shocking to me I can't remember if I took him up on it or if I just paid and said, no, I want it. He must have realized that was home. a lot of bread, though, for a little kid, you know? Yeah, but I think it was just such a cool thing. It's like, cool, it's the yeah. kind of thing that draws, makes you a customer for life, really. Right. Do you know if you kept it or? Do you no, I don't have it anymore. And yeah. I, again, that's another thing I lost right. that uh, who knows what happened, right? Uh, that's, those are the two ma main things I think that have, you know, right. you know hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But, uh, but I remember giving away some some of my stuff that I'm, I know my dad worked for, you know my dad was basically a laborer right right so like when money's hard and mm -hmm. you work long hours and the, the guitar and the amp that he originally bought me wouldn't have been real collectible now like an old Kent guitar mm -hmm. and uh, like this amp a little tube amp called a Camelli I don't know so some Canadian made right probably right. under 10 different brands probably made by Silvertone or something yeah who knows yeah. whatever but I basically I just remember I don't know what the hell I was thinking but I, I just basically Sold the can for like ten dollars. Was disinterested in, so get rid of it. You just wanted that instrument. You wanted another. I just wanted something else. And then, right. of course, you don't know as a kid, right? So you kind of came into it with that hunger for a different sound. You're always looking for yeah. the sound. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's very yeah, cool. Really days, yeah. Um, that's great. Uh, yeah. Well, why don't we just start off by uh, playing a little tune and then yeah, sure. Maybe talk about uh, what's been happening. Okay, sure. Uh, what do you feel like? Uh, it's fairly early, so it's something gentle, like okay. gentle rain. Gentle rain, <laughs> beautiful. All right. How about that segment? Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One, two, one, two, straight eight. Mm -hmm. 
I got what? How many things do I have here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven plus buffer. Mm -hmm. I'm using one delay. <laughs> one delay is all you got on. Right Actually, now. I got the reverb. A bit of touch. touch ah, okay. The delay is very subtle. Too. Very slow. Right. Yeah, but it's there. It's there. Just to give it kind of like a. I want to feel like I'm playing in a. You know, getting yeah. a little feedback from yeah. nature. You know. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, cool. I usually try and go for. I, I usually, yeah. I think that's probably like, a, remember, uh, remember asking uh, Rob uh, Pilch mm -hmm. uh, once what, what, what one pedal he could not do without. His answer was volume pedal, and I think that makes a lot of sense for, yep. for him. And I think mine would probably be the delay and maybe then a volume pedal. Right. Yeah. Right. I but think for uh, me it's reverb. I, I like... Yeah. I love having a wet sound. I need yeah, a wet yeah. sound for sure. And yet you're playing through a polytone amplifier without reverb. Right, right. Yeah, today I just happened. Yeah, but yeah, usually yeah. I have a pedal stuck on top oh, okay, of the, cool, on yeah. there that gives me a little digital reverb. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. Notoriously yeah. bad reverb on these polytones. Oh yeah. This is actually a bass one, so there's no reverb at all. Actually, yeah, this little Super Champs got reverb, but it's again, it's so dull and it's it's awful. I don't even know why they bother. Right, right. So uh, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, your idea on the guitar, like your concept? Um, concept yeah or or like what you've been working on lately and like what yeah, you've been yeah. trying to achieve or what your eyes are set on or I think you'd be a lot of people would be pretty disappointed that I don't have any aspirations, oh, no aspirations. <laughs> or goals okay <laughs> all right I, uh, I've always been kind of a, just a sideman right so like I don't yeah. I never fronted a band I've never I don't even write Right. I, wrote, I wrote in a tune maybe because I had to in school but mm -hmm. anytime I try to sit down and write the possibilities just like stop me I'm going two bars in I can't get past it because I'm already trying to be rethinking what I should have done or what I could have done in the first two bars Right. You right. Know? I think there's some guys like uh, I think I read that Wayne Kranz and probably it's maybe it's a fairly typical thing but they'll write by just playing because they don't 
there's just option anxiety. It's like mm-hmm. just play, noodle, listen back, and pick up pick up the gems, and maybe transcribe what you did intuitive, instinctively, intuitively. Right. right and right. I think if I did write, if I had a, that's probably the way I would do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, me just sitting down and writing a tune. I I, I won't say, I've never. I have, at least in the last couple of decades, I can't remember ever completing a tune. I might get it maybe halfway through instead of the right. next. I think you know, like a lot. It's cliche, but a lot of people say you yeah, like uh, improvising is is just basically slow composition kind of, and mm-hmm. that's the way. Or I fast think. composition. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, and, right. And then composition is slow <laughs> improvising. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. So I kind of I kind of feel like that. Like uh, I'm get, I'm getting my rocks off. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting it onto the world, but so you I love to kind play. Of, that's sort I of love to play, and yeah. I love to be not necessarily the focus of attention. I, I like to be. Uh, I enjoy being in more reactive to singers or other musicians, and mm-hmm. and uh, I'll be forced to be constantly in the moment and mm-hmm. reacting to what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Again, if I was playing, I, I like the, uh, the freedom of playing trio too. You can go in whatever different directions. You don't have to worry about, you know, group motion as much or. or you know, being on the same page is what just changes. Certain changes are going to be. You can go different. You know. Right. But uh, yeah, what else? Uh, so is working on uh, like working on the guitar is that would that be like learning repertoire for you or learning how to fit into different contexts? Uh, fit into I just like groups? playing a lot of different contexts for sure. Yeah. I don't. I man, I, I can't. Uh, short of having to put on a funny nose and hat, I don't think I've turned down any gig because there's always something to learn. Right. Unless I've had a bad experience with. Uh, those sure. <laughs> said players in the, in the past where it's like I know it's just going to be horrible yeah like, what's the old story about this guy that I had to pay it's either going to be a great hang or right or great right. whatever the, someone told what? me that's like trifecta or something yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. so I, I adhere to that but uh, mm-hmm. having said that you know it's like uh, you know the business is it's kind of different like I, it's mm-hmm. totally different for me now than when I was starting mm-hmm. when I started playing like you literally would be cross pollinating with eight to ten different bands because everybody was working so much that mm-hmm. everybody's first call couldn't probably couldn't be on every gig they'd like them to be on so you go down the list and yeah and whatever whatever number was on the list i worked a lot back in the day with a lot of different guys so that's um, that was my initial uh, and you've been based in toronto the whole always toronto, toronto, yeah, toronto. toronto. yeah uh, cool yeah and so um do you do you miss the way it was or do you see it as being different now and uh, a different kind of good or yeah, it's it's just kind of different. I mean, the the training ground is is uh, well. First of all, you when you initially it's like if I was to move to a new town, I'd have to network. Yeah. Here, I've never had the network. It, it wasn't a conscious decision to network. I just worked all the time. Right. I was working when I was at Humber mm-hmm. as a student. I was working with the teachers because I'd already had about a year experience between high school and mm-hmm. going into Humber, and I was already working a lot right. with different bands. So through that, I was meeting guys like. Eddie Sawson, back in the day, Stillwell, Peter Harris was already using me as a sub even before I got into school. So it was wow. kind of, it was one of those things where I was like, just so much stuff around it. And you got to play with really good guys, right? right. And you learn repertoire on the spot. It's not like, you know, it's now in a very scholastic way, you, know, you got to learn these tunes learn by these, such yeah. and such a date and make mm-hmm. it such a, you know, a contrived, not contrived thing, but I mean, I just show up on the gig and you got to know it. And there were no fakes books back in the day, obviously. Right? Yeah, and no so, internet to search it all up on. Right, right. So you had to rely on your ear, and so that's the thing, that's why I've got a fairly good ear, is just because you had to. Right, and, and really memory, too. I think people forget about that too, thing, too. Like yeah. The ability to like just be like, okay, this tune is going to go by once, and I'm going to have to know it. Yeah. You know, yeah. have yeah, to learn it. There's a different kind of, uh, yeah, pressure. Mm-hmm. But I was really lucky early to play with some really good keyboard players who 
and some really awful ones too, as as you would expect. Like the the, the great gigs with great keyboard players were probably less so, but mm -hmm. there's one key, keyboard player I should remain nameless who nobody would know anyway, other, right, other right. than my age, who's <laughs> who owned a keyboard, let's just say. Okay. <laughs> However, he had been working four days a week, and even if he was playing crummy changes and with bad time, you learned the tunes. Yeah. Right? Or yeah. And you got a chance to network because there's a, he would have at least had, you know, because he was such a, you know, let's say, you know, mm -hmm. good leader, but not mm -hmm. a good gig getter, but not yep. the best musician, so he surrounded himself with the best guys he could mm -hmm. to to make up for whatever he couldn't uh, provide in that area, right? So anyway, uh, yeah, I met a lot of, some of the guys come to mind, like, I don't know, you know Graham Howes, he's kind of yeah. like, yeah, guy, my, probably yeah, a little older than me, actually, yeah. yeah, great player, studied uh, with Delamont, you know, like oh, yeah. that method, like just a beautiful harmonic, uh, concept on piano just again like actually maybe like me like never really got never did his own record mm -hmm. you know do you know hazel walker a singer do you no know i don't heard? yeah okay they were married and uh quite a good singer she was out remember the same time i was she was in the a band uh mm -hmm. as a singer lead vocalist right and so uh, these are some of your first gigs that you had yeah yeah, yeah they were the yeah uh, formative graham for sure yeah he and he was more of a band lead but again like yeah, just a great singer too, by the way. Did, did had a really deep, gravelly kind of almost like Bill Medley kind of voice, you know, Righteous right. Brothers, kind of that kind of thing. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I could go down the list. There's yeah, a ton of, of guys nice. So what are your kind of, uh, your favorite gigs to play? Like what, like uh, if I want to hear you at your best, sort of what's, uh, what's the like like best kind of gig? Yeah, I feel like what I've been doing lately is is I, I enjoy doing it it's and that's again it's I never sought it out it just fell on my lap kind of thing but I've been working with a singer who uh, his name's Dominic Mancuso and he's, he's he's a nice guitar player in his own right he's plays an honesty most of the time good time and mm -hmm. good fundamental knowledge of course and he writes most of his own stuff but it's we uh, we've toured a couple times in Italy just playing classic Italian stuff wow. that he's kind of revisited in different you know, mm -hmm. and I have input in that, and some of the other guys in the band, like Chendi, who teaches at Humber, and uh, Paco Liviano on bass. Yeah, of course. Uh, Robbie sometimes is in the band. Jerry Cringy sometimes is in the band. Great keyboard player, great, another great singer, unbelievable singer. Uh, and, uh, and, but it's very kind of, uh, it's very kind of delicate and nicely reworked Italian stuff, so I could get to fool around with the harmony a little bit, and uh, they're very sensitive players, and uh, I think that's, the, I have the most fun because he has the most impact on an audience. It's not mm. like you just go around playing ding, 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 and just like blowing people, you know, parting their hair with right. genius and stuff. This guy actually sings from the heart, and uh -huh. some nights we have like, uh, you know, moments with the audience. It's like, it's, it's unbelievable. It's right, really and that Italian music has very interesting harmony to it and stuff. Yeah, it's jazzy and absolutely. Ways, right? Well, the melody is a classic, which is a uh, which is a given, right? Yeah. And even the chorus structure, you know, plays like, you know, and you know, Morricone, those kinds of things. But even the, uh, you know, but but I mean, even all, all the Italian classic simple tunes like uh, uh, oh, so Return to Sorrento or something. <laughs> yeah. we, do, we do a duet version of Solo Mio. This Love night. that song, yeah. It's a beautiful song. I, I don't know if you ever heard that version we do, but it's like... No, I haven't. Just rework the harmony a little bit. It's like, mm -hmm. I, you know, it sounds like, uh, I'm not a boastful person, well, I still every time I listen to the song I get chills because we played it live at about mm -hmm. two o'clock in the morning. We just, and he he did it in a time we call sotto voce, just like almost a whispery kind of because mm. the baby was asleep upstairs, mm. and it was like with like a one take through. We shifted a few things because I didn't know where the vocal. I could barely hear the vocal, so and you know just in the mix maybe nudge right. a few things. But other than that, it's like a, a live and wow. and and to this day when we play it live, there's people 
because it's, it's not the big it's kind of just, yeah, you know yeah, yeah big yeah. thing. I just just like a prettiest ballad, slow, and you know I had the freedom to reharmonize it a little bit. I take I change the key for my solo and, mm. and the bridge kind of thing just to give it a little something, and then we can return to the old key, and it's just. And right. do a common bossa nova thing on the end. That's great, man. That's yeah, yeah. Great, yeah. And, I think uh, Witten said uh, you got to learn where you come from first. The first yeah. thing you got to do with music is learn where you come from. So you, yeah. you're Italian background. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you're. I definitely feel it. And, yeah. and even uh, this last trip we did to Italy, there were some gigs that were, you know, soft seat theaters, which kind of mm -hmm. nice and all that stuff, more produced kind of stuff. And there were other times we were playing for like 30 people in a little marble room that was part of the consulate or maybe mm -hmm. a little museum or something somewhere and. Literally, like uh, you know, just the quietness, how quiet we could play, and that how attentive the audience is in, in mm. those circumstances. I, I wouldn't trade those things right. for the world. Right? Sounds like a dream. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, I love doing that, and that's uh, I did that on nylon string. But sometimes, if if I'm not traveling with an nylon string, I'll I guess use my guitar. Mm -hmm. I'll still use my effects. Of course, yeah, 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 it's cool. Yeah. But, uh, so t tell me a little bit about this guitar. Um, it, the body looks like it's about a hundred years old. But yeah, it's like a, it's a stock guitar. It's a John Sur S A S U H R. Uh, he's the guy that uh, I don't know if you remember back in the day in New York, Pensa Sur yeah, on Forty Eighth Street. Hmm. Um, that wasn't a retail store, but they made guitars like for Clapton back in the day, or even Mark Knopfler. Mm -hmm. Pensa Sur guitars. I don't Rudy. I was Rudy's guitar. Uh, Rudy's. Right. And upstairs, uh, I think he might have been one of the owners store, Pensa. I don't know what okay. his first name is, but John Sewer was, that was the Pensa Sewer. So he moved out to the West Coast, and he actually was the first guy to start the Fender Custom Shop mm. when they decided to go into that tier of guitar-making, yeah. skilled, you know, and the, 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 uh, the price that goes with it. Right, yeah. So he, I'm not sure how many years he was there, but I'd say I could probably say 10 years, and then he, he just went on his own. So right. Sewer Guitars... Uh, so it's nothing, there's nothing, it's a very classic Strat design. Mm -hmm. The thing that distinguishes it maybe is, I don't know what distinguishes it other than, um, again, the body is exactly a Strat body. Right, two-tone yeah. it, it can be all custom, there are stock models. This this one, like you said, it does look old, but it was relic. I see. Okay. And I didn't buy it this way, actually. I got really lucky because this thing was probably worth twice what I paid for it. Ah. And part of that reason is because of this wonderful, authentic relic job that's would be like a $600 upgrade that I would never in my dreams yeah. pay for, but yeah. there it was when I, I saw it. And everything else about the guitar too, it has a really neat uh, noiseless, uh, noise canceling system built into it, mm -hmm. which is transparent and it's unbelievable. So you still get the single coil pickups, but it's yeah, no noise. Yeah, but total, total no noise. Like, uh, yeah, I could crank everything up here, turn on three distortions, and you'll hear a little bit of hiss. You won't hear any 60 cycle hum at all. Wow. And the other thing that I liked uh, about this particular guitar was the neck is exactly the profile I like, which is kind of like a, it's a Fender scale, but it's like a 50, late 50s Gibson in terms of the back shape mm -hmm. and how it, uh, you know, the right. width of the neck. So it's a really comfy neck. It's It comes like pre, the lacquer is pre-sanded off of it, so it's not, you don't get the sticky lacquer kind of right, feeling right. in your hand, because I'm a bit of a sweater. Yeah. And uh, you know stock right. tuners, and it's just a really well-made strat, really. Cool. And that's your kind of main strat. That's my main, yeah, main that's guitar in general. Could you say? Uh, yeah, because that, yeah, because yeah. I've got some nice tellies, and I've got, uh, you know, I don't even want to tell you how many guitars are in my house. Well, you shouldn't. I'll tell you. I shouldn't. <laughs> I shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe <laughs> my wife will <laughs> follow you home, and yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see where I live about that. Yeah, yeah. 
No, we had it. Actually, it was me and Dominic once. We were playing in uh, just a duo once in uh, just outside of Sudbury, this little small town in Sudbury, which was really weird. But we were having breakfast in the morning. I says, we're talking about guitars because he's a bit of a, he doesn't collect it to hoard them. I don't even say collect, I'm hoarding them. Because a lot of the stuff I don't have is not, uh, nothing I have is worth more than, uh, this would be the most expensive guitar I have. Right. Uh, but anyway, uh, Tony, how many guitars do you have? And it's like, I couldn't tell you. It's like, right. and I, actually, we had the time because we were having eggs and just nothing else to do in silver. So I started adding up every, because I usually also don't sell a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I buy and I, I with, with the intent that it'll replace them, but I That's so smart, it. though. Yeah. I mean, because I have, you know, so many guitars that have come and gone, and I yeah. wish I had never, I mean, it's just stupid, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. I think when I started adding up, and I used to do more sessions too. So everything I bought, I always justify that, uh, you know, that I have some use for it. Mm -hmm. I actually would usually buy it for a certain purpose if I if I didn't have it already. Like, mm -hmm. for instance, like a twelve string acoustic. How often I love Ralph Towner, but how many times you're going to use a twelve string acoustic yeah. until I got to do Joseph uh, a theater production, Joseph, and the twelve string was a double. So right. bingo, get a twelve string. There now you I have a twelve string. Yeah. Uh, when I first started playing with, uh, when I was at Humber and the guys, John McLeod was my, in my year, Bob D'Angelis, I don't know if you know him, but uh, Al Kay, mm -hmm. we used to, just as a lark and make some money, we used to have a Dixie band, right? Dixie oh, band, cool. so I picked up a banjo, right? Right, right. It's like, so that started as like a tenor four-string banjo, then I bought a better uh, four-string tenor, then I ended up getting like a, you know, but I never sold the other one, so I still. Uh, oh. So why I, why do I end up with four banjos? Because like, a, why am I going to sell something if I bought it for yeah, or let's say eight hundred bucks? Yeah, what am I going to sell it for two seventy five? Exactly. So yeah, I keep it. Right. Cool. And so, uh, so kind of like that. So anyway, make long story short, I probably have like, and this is a this is a liquid figure, but I would probably say sixty five. You know, when you're at start A and acoustics, yeah. not I, I got it. like three nylon strings, like an I electric one, a really nice. A uh, really nicely made one that's got a pickup in it that mm -hmm. I put on aftermarket, but um, you know, and a solid one like one of those go down things, which is more way way better for traveling and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, you know, so right away, like I've got you know three mandolins. I've got probably yeah one really nice acoustic, but like four so-sos only because they're they're going to the twelfth one. Are you kidding? This this right. young this Yamaha FG something else is only. To 199 with the case and it sounds like a D45 and right. it's like sold you know so sure you must have enough times you get a cataloging system you must have some racks in your basement or something like no I got I got kind of one main rack and kind of a music room like this that I just want to keep ones that I like like I have George right. Benson kind guitar of the that I love. yeah you know like I have George Benson guitar I love George Benson I drove you know that GB10 that sound that there's nobody nothing else gets that yeah I've been as I noticed you played some of his uh his octaves plus a third or whatever. yeah that thing yeah, yeah, I, lo yeah I, love I love that, that well he's one of my you know we didn't even talk about influences but he's one of my guys for sure and anytime I say I'm, any one of these guys is one of my guys that I listen to it's like I'm gonna glean certain stuff from whatever, but I could never approach trying to. I never try to sit down and try to get his chops together. Mm -hmm. But that was one of the things playing in the early days too, like six nighters all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So like every hotel literally had a lounge where you play six nights a week, right? Right. Maybe at eight you play like a, an hour and a half, two hours of dinner, then you morph into some dance stuff. So you you'd learn repertoire like crazy, and we used to get like used to play be able to get away with stuff like playing some George Benson Breeze and whatever yeah. it was or and that's a real live kind of laboratory for you to take the sounds in your head and try to make exactly them that's what I was listening to and, says, and so yeah I worked on kind of stuff so that kind of thing that that octave thing with sometimes a fourth in the middle or a mm -hmm. fifth in the middle or 
Yeah, it just became very natural to me. So I, yeah, like love that sound. And that little roll thing with the oh yeah, that's a big thing of his, right? Yeah, that's yeah, almost yeah. like a piano kind right, of right, right, like a Herbie thing almost, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like totally. Herbie does that right. the octave kind of thing, right? Cool. I think that's probably where George got. I mean, yeah, I would think. Right? Yeah, they worked together on the Creed Taylor right? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, so it's really yeah, just uh, yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. Cool. Well, why don't we play another tune? Sure. Yeah. Um, what else we got? What about uh? Well, there's a little sunflower yeah. Yeah. we talked about, yeah. but we yeah. could do um, a swing tune if you Let's want. Let's do that. You want to? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Days of One and Roses. Days maybe? of One and Roses, okay. Yeah, cool. Sweet. F? F. Oh, we didn't talk about it. We didn't do the kind of cheat, the Bill Evans kind of cheat key change thing up to A flat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we could do that. Uh, is that every course or every half course? It's every It's every time it goes to the second half of the tune. It goes Always the second half of the tune. Okay. It's uh, been a while. We should we should have worked on this, but because no, no. we can do there's that cool ending too. Do you know the um, when we're on A flat? Let's go through it. I'm sure our listeners would be interested. Three, six, two, five, and then it, and then, then do you remember how it goes down? It's Bill Evans. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then it goes down in minor thirds. So it goes like where are we A flat, right? So. Thank you. 
difficult too to solo. <laughs> and if anyone's yeah. interested in that Lenny Bro effect you yeah, run yeah. your fingers on the strings close to the bridge. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. I remember uh, going back to Rob Robson, my favorite place. Rob Hill. Yeah. Uh, worked a lot with him in different theater things and subbed in and out of different things for him mm -hmm. in theater and jazz things. But he used right. to do the same thing to Lenny thing, but he used to he used to like hold his like ring finger on his right hand and kind of flick it back like that. He'd huh. kind of do that kind of thing. Wow, I cannot do that. Yeah, it's weird. Eh? It's just like Yeah, yeah and I, I do it with my thumb a lot. Yeah. And I saw you do it like Lenny did with the index finger. Yeah, I do it like that kind of yeah. brush it. Because a bit of that, 
the pad on the on the index finger, right? Because that, I think, probably because you know you end up doing kind of like you know the harmonic thing, and then you're just in already. Well, the way I tuck my pick away, anyway, it's like that, right? Yep. Between my knuckle and my and my middle finger, knuckle mm -hmm. sandwiches. So that leaves this to do the harmonics. Right, right. My thumb index and my ring finger, and then it's just natural that that's also for that. Cool. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, actually, you know, uh, Tommy Emanuel explains it on, on the internet, and a, a lot of, I've seen a lot of students try to do it the same way he does, yeah. which is he actually holds thumb and index, hold the pick like normal, and then the uh, the middle finger comes up to, to do the harmonic, the harmonic, and then you can do use your pick or something like right. that. Right. But uh, I really like your way with the, the middle finger yeah. holding the pick, and then you can just do it the, the natural way. Yeah. I find that works really well. Yeah. It's beautiful. So yeah. is uh, Lenny Grow one of your guys? You <laughs> He's definitely one of my guys and one of those guys that I could never attempt to actually do what he did. First of all, that, that kind of right hand technique is, is freaking unbelievable. Yeah. Not only logistically just to watch what he does, but the, the touch that the guy had. Oh yeah. Right? And, the, the, and the, the economy of movement. Oh. If you look at the videos of him, I mean, it's amazing yeah. how motionless his yeah. hand is. I mean, and he's one of those guys that no matter what he played, he always sounded exactly the same, and uh, you know it's like uh, just a little anecdote, which is neither here nor there. But I, I one of those '65 guitar, uh, three or four of those '65 guitars I have are Baldwin guitars, which is weird, right? Oh. And the only thing I can explain my way of coming by way of those was my dad used to work at a place, and across the street was the Baldwin Piano Warehouse, and this was up in. Weston, right, and uh, and he used to, he got chummy with like the guy. They used to have lunch together or something. Probably the Italian guy across the street meet for lunch, and he said, "Oh, we're bringing in these Baldwin guitars, two from England. Maybe your son plays guitar. Maybe you want to come and look at one." So, one thing leads to another, and I go get this Bison guitar, which is kind of a their version of a Strat, except really exaggerated mm -hmm. horns, like yeah. literally like a Bison. Yeah, like yeah. kind of an ugly thing in some ways. But and I ended up with two or three other Baldwin's, like a 12-string, kind of 335 12-string. Another one that Lenny actually played, I think, on the second record, the, the Vibra Slim, which is kind of a weird 335-ish, but again... You have like, the actual one? I, not the actual okay, one. Okay, all right. I got uh, one exactly like it. Right, because yeah. he would convert the 12-strings to 7, right? That's uh, to 7 or... Uh, he did a 7 for a while, but not... How long okay. was he doing the 7-string thing? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just remember someone telling me that he used to take a... Burns twelve string and convert it to a seven, but I, I mean okay, I you're, you're, I you might be right. I remember him converting it to six for sure back in the okay. day. And then when he decided to do the seven string thing, because uh, I think he had uh, somebody else like was it the Holmes Holmes that the one that Brian Katz ended up getting willed that was it was willed to Peter Harris first. Ah, Eleni's. Peter Harris had this thing, and then that ended up going to Brian Katz. But I think that was a seven string, and that was like. A, yeah, but anyway, it was a custom made one. Yeah, yeah, but it was it's weird because I ended up just through different avenues. I ended up getting like having about four Baldwin. I still have them, and every time I see Lenny, he'd be playing a different Baldwin guitar. He had yeah. one called the Virginian, which was like a like a six string acoustic. Really, it was just a pickup mounted in the hole, mm -hmm. and he sounded exactly the same. Vibra Slim sounded exactly the same. The original record, I think, was the twelve string semi acoustic. I think the okay. Shelley's Manhole. Right. Okay. And again. Sounds exactly the same. Got a beautiful, bright, all that you could hear every note in there. He did that real cool thing with the harmonics where you can kind of get the, uh -huh. you know, the harmonic yeah. up an octave uh -huh. down on the bottom to. 
Yeah, and there's this one. Things. This one too. Uh... Sure. So the harmonics are between the two. Yeah, yeah. Fourths, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, and some yes, sometimes spreading. Mm-hmm. You know, three strings apart or yeah. two strings apart. Uh, he did some weird things too, like he did the octave thing. But then. Up a fifth, kind of right. like split oh. the octave again to oh, get that right. So just the way you would like that, right? Open, uh-huh. right? But it's cool because you get kind of even more complex. You could have this kind of thing, right? And then where is it? Because right. you had not only the original fundamental, but now the fifth. But you're actually kind of hearing them both, right? Right. Like right. the harmonic plus the fifth is ringing out too. Oh. So it's good. Yeah. So it's really weird. You really never knew bizarre. about that. But again, like uh, the thing used to, you know, that kind of stuff where you used to play melody and you know be able to comp himself seamlessly, like literally mm. two great players playing together, as opposed to some guitarists who sound like two who do that, but sound like yeah. two yeah. very average players, like uh, half drunk, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, players. Yeah. yeah, that's more the guys that tap with the right hand that I'm thinking of. But, yeah, uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, Lenny Bros. Big influence again, but sonically probably more than anything else, and just. You know, you know as well as I do. It's like sonically you gravitate to something, but his time feel, right? Like, and just the ingenuity, like that first re- record with Reg Kellen and uh, mm. the, the Winnipeg guys. That's my like, favorite. To me, the, that's like, my what favorite. They had some kind of mind melt going on. He just yeah. switch gears, going to a waltz. Next thing you know, a different tempo, a, a double time, but a different tempo. And yeah. You hear them just like a nanosecond later, and, and they just held on. Yeah. From, and went with it. It was um, unbelievable. So Such you can. To me, I just that's the kind of uh, maybe the more improvisational part of it. I understand. Mm-hmm. I, I picked up from him, but uh, certainly the, that kind of level of execution stuff, I can never, mm-hmm. I never bothered <laughs> right, or could right. make the time to ever try to make that work. Plus, there's guys like Little Lawrence doing some such okay. amazing, so many great players. Brian Katz is another guy. You know, mm-hmm. lots of guys that do that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, uh, who else? There's. Um, you mentioned Wayne Krantz earlier. Is that something uh, he to? I wouldn't say he's an influence. I just okay. mentioned him because of the songwriting. Right. But right. I do like him. Again, mm-hmm. you can't. You know, when you got, it's such a unique thing, right? Mm-hmm. Style, right? Totally. That, that 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 back pickup, middle that clucky Fender clean, mm-hmm. and then all, with all the pull-offs and ang- you know stings. Oh uh, yeah. And chords. Interval skipping, crazy yeah. harmony. Yeah. Uh, of the modern guys, jumping way ahead. Well, first of all, Ed, of course. Mm-hmm. Ed's, again, like I, so, I suppose if I stole from anybody the most, I probably st- stole from metal. Was probably not apparent in my playing. But just, just like you know, again, the time thing, the the, the yeah. upper structure, voicings, and everything, and like you know, the feel. You know, everybody knows. Like if you're not, if you're not, if you haven't like memorized uh, Pierre Desmond then you, right. you're not complete as a guitar player yeah. <laughs> you know, lots like, of great intros yeah. and endings and then great remember, endings yeah. like never you know following uh, Paul you know, know exactly how yeah. Paul Desmond yeah. plays and beautiful accompanying harmony, yeah. harmony. anyway but uh, Ed uh, I, I used to love uh, all the, a lot of great influence, you know Sonny Greenwich mm. um, uh, Bill Frizzell's a big you know I'm just thinking in terms of my record collection mm-hmm. whose records do I buy Bill Frizzell Mm-hmm. Schofield would be probably Matheny, obviously, and then never play more like Matheny. But you know, you try and grab stuff from wherever you can, right? Mm-hmm. I used big Jeff Beck fan back in the day, uh, but I was big into uh, 
I missed a lot of the rock stuff because when anybody else listened to kind of like, let's say, early Zeppelin and whatever, mm-hmm. Pink Floyd, let's say, era, that kind of stuff, I knew the hits on the radio, but I was listening to Chicago, Blessed Red Tears, Lighthouse, right. you know, groups like that, like kind of horn bands that, you know, leaned toward jazz kind of. Yeah, jazz, funk, yeah. R&B, that kind of vibe. Yeah. ECM stuff, I like a lot of early ECM, Oregon, and right. Heavy Hard Weber and stuff like that. Yeah. It's cool. I, I tell my, uh, I was thinking about some of the things we're going to talk about today. I was thinking, I, I don't have a lot of technique compared to a lot of guys, and I don't, I never worked on it, and I, I don't, uh, I, I probably take the little, just the easy way out a lot of times. So work-wise, I never had to really, I've always had to fall on my lap, so I've never had to reinvent myself or like get to a, you know, I've, I've always worked, I've been happy with the work I get. What I tell my students though is like, the, I think the one thing that's lost, and you could probably say the same thing, it's like nobody gets in deep into music anymore, right? Like they just skim over everything, right? The good guys do, of course, mm-hmm. right? You can tell the guys who really dive into something and they uh, absorb it. But everybody else, is, it's, they move on so quick to after this, yeah, I got it next, you know, it's like, right? And I was thinking one of the big things with me was, was listening, but intently to music, right? And not even transcribing. I'm not even a big transcriber. I don't even know if I've done it that much. I probably haven't over the years, right? So right. I love... I just love listening to stuff, but I, one of the things I say this like, listen intently, like with head, especially if you're spending a lot of time on the bus or something. Get some, get some really good headphones and listen. I used to go to bed listening every night, and I think that's a mix, like just subconsciously ingraining good music yeah. in your head, like listen to good stuff. You listen to it for a good half hour or forty five minutes, and then you fall asleep with it on a lot of times, just mm-hmm. on, on. And I, I got, I think that informs. You're yeah. kind of subconscious and stuff just pops out. You know? For sure. I mean, we, we talk about music so much, yeah. you know, and, it, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but it, it's, it's in nowadays it seems like it's easier to get paid to teach people music. Yeah. Way easier to get paid teaching them rather than performing for people. You know, right. people rather buy lessons from you than actually buy yeah. tickets or yeah. CDs or whatever. Yeah. So uh, I think that's such great advice. I mean, that's, it is music. I mean, listen to it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and don't be afraid to get out. I mean, uh, that that's always the argument, right? Like, do you do, you don't you don't. Um, I I hate to say guys go work for free, right? But if get out and play for God's sake, you know, mm. don't sit there and play. You get along with your little wheelbook app and stuff, and that you know you gotta play with players that are at least as good, if not better, than you, and right. learn whatever you can. If money comes along with it, great. But man, get out there and play, you know. Mm. So, but that's always a tricky one because you know you. Know, the idea that club owners expect people to play for free, you know, yeah, pay to play in the right? Pay this, pay for yeah. the PA system, you know. Totally. Yeah. So it's a uh, that's an argument we I'm not that uh, versed in, but it's, so it's it's something I didn't have to deal with when I grew up because you just it was expected. You got I got unions. I was working. I was 18 years old. I was working six nights a week. I looked at my black book. It was black. A golf, wow. you know, a golf club. Gig, a wedding, a little right. corporate thing. But, you know, scale back then was $11 an hour. But, you know. That was real could, money. You could work a lot, real money. And, uh, yeah, I guess it's all relative, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, you'd learn your craft, right? Yeah. Like, with those kind of bands, okay, okay, you're playing, like, very standard tunes, very, some of them very mundane. But more than likely, you'd, uh, you'd get to solo every... Mm-hmm. every song if you wanted to you'd make the best of what whatever you could right so again you could hone your craft work on your sounds that was mm-hmm. one of the main reasons I kind of like cause we never talked about it but basically what I've been doing for a living for 30 years is playing theater music right so right. under a stage right yeah. and, and you don't just say I'm going to be a theater musician you have to basically be able to play any style 
mm-hmm. convincingly. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would definitely f- consider myself the, uh, under the category of jack of all trades, but master of none. And I think that's one of the things that I just had to play everything all the time, six nights a week, and, and that's mm-hmm. how I made a living. And that's how I morphed into playing, uh, and that's how I got recommended initially. Actually, it might have been Rob and some of the other guys who were kind of already, already established in theater, like, uh, I'm going to say names like uh, maybe Steve Hunter, I don't know if you know him, keyboard player. I know the name, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, you know, guys I was working just with on gigs, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess just, again, just cross-pollinating different bands. And when the name came up to kind of like they need a second guitar for that, that pit band, Rob Pilch was number one call. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously uh, yeah. worthy of that. Yeah, and, of course. Uh, and my name just came up. It's like, oh, well, he, yeah, well, this is a bit of a rock thing, and he's going to play some uh, acoustic, and uh, he, he's got to have a good time, and just, you know, good rhythm player. It's like, yeah. bingo, right? There you go. And uh, one other thing, which is kind of funny, and I, I always make my students, because I, you know, uh, me playing banjo, for instance. I don't consider myself a banjo player, but what I did develop early from playing those Dixie gigs with those with the guys. Plus, you know, you're also learning tunes there, of course, right? Mm-hmm. You're learning, uh, you know, Sweet Georgia Brown. You're losing all these, you know, yeah. rhythm changes tunes, and yeah. you know. And but the the, the right hand that I developed doing that is like it's like I've got a Popeye forearms because of that, really? right? And just it's neither here nor there. But when I got to ask to do Tommy, so we we're talking like. Right, uh, you know the Who. Hold on, and, and, and you, yeah, you know, like Pete Townsend's right hand, is yeah, like machine gun kind of thing. Totally. When I looked at the book and it says, uh, you know, they're very particular about who, well, who's going to get this is going to actually be able to power out this stuff for like for two and a half hours, Ugh. and not, and their arm not fall off. And say, Are you kidding me? I, I can sleep through that. You know, like, yeah. I've, been, I've, I've been playing, right. I play banjos for four hours a time in the hot sun. You know, so yeah, I'm ready for that. <laughs> <The hot sun. laughs> you know. Sixteenth no triplets with my friend, you know. Right. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But it's uh, cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I have one specific gears question because yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a million things I'm sure you could talk about gear, but yeah, um, replicating the clean sound of uh, who am I going to say? The British guitarist uh, Alan Holdsworth. The oh. two, the two delay thing. You use two oh, delays, right? I do actually. He no. uses. Uh, he uses more than two delays, I think. But yeah. Is that why you use more than one delay? Uh, it's 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 of kind of that. I mean, yeah. it's like it's just you know, one delay gives you obviously one repeat. Yeah. I mean, not one repeat, but one. Yeah. Uh, and if you turn the feedback up, obviously, you get more repeats. It gives you just more mathematically complex. Uh, subdivisions of how the repeats bounce up and get against each other, right? So I actually had. I, you know, I'm not I'm not totally up on all the equipment he used to use, but I know he used to use an ADA delay, and it had four tap. It was called a I think it was called a tap delay, and it had four different outputs. So mm-hmm. let's say you had the your time set in basically 125 milliseconds. Mm-hmm. Well, the second output would be a subdivision to that, so it would be like 200 uh, double that 250, and then the next output would have been uh, 500, and the next mm-hmm. one would have maybe either 750 or 1,000, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But basically, that uh, it was pretty rudimentary back in the day, but it basically just gave you the ability to tap into different uh, subdivisions with the initial delay time. So that's right. that's basically this thing, but I was telling the guys, because Ted gets me to do his master class once a year, and I was telling us, I have, th- well, again, I'm accumulation guy, right? Acu- accumulation guy. Right. So I've got three of these Yamaha delays that Alan Holdsworth designed from the ground up with Yamaha back in, uh, the late 80s, 90s. They're called uh, Ultra UD, Ultra Delay right. Stomp. So like a little pod size kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Eight delays in wow. there. 
and they're all programmable. You can different uh, filtering, delay, modulation, everything. You can do crazy things. And if you look at the, he he programs everything out, and he gets specs out everything. Mm. This delay time pan left. That's the next mm. delay time, that pan hard right, and then you get this ping pong thing. Yeah, so that's basically, so yeah, I've got these two delays, which is really just a pale imitation of that, but you can kind of do the same thing. So I usually set one up. The nice thing about these delays is they have set subdivisions that you could click. Mm -hmm. So like if I have this uh, you know, quarter note thing that I'm tapping here, I can make a quick little switch. I can get four subdivisions of that. So this is the dotted eight sixteenth. So, so now I've got one right. and uh, one and uh. Right. Now you compound that. Let's say you feed that into a quarter note delay. So then you got. I'm going to tap them both at the same. So yeah. Right. Wow. So uh, it's very time specific. But the thing is, like in real time, they're not programmable. Right? In real time, you can change whatever you. Volume pedal is masking the, the initial attacks. Yeah, so you yeah, don't get yeah. that galloping. Right. So that's cool sometimes, you know. But it's got a rhythmic feeling. Yeah, like I'm just going to tap a slower one. Like. Right. Or if I wanted to do, let's say, uh, uh, an eighth going in that quarter, well, that won't be as complicated, but. You know, you can set the relative. So you're getting a don, don, and you're getting a don, don, don. Or if I have the, one thing I do a lot is I do a quarter note first, and then a dotted sixteenth after, but in half time. Does that make sense? Kind of. Here's the first delay, and the second one I'm going to tap at half that, half speed. If you can hear my foot tapping over, mm -hmm. over your uh, little laptop. Uh, Wow. So you can kind of like depending on how many repeats you get. Uh -huh. So like right. So like and whatever tempo you want, right? So like uh, right. You know, so if you have drummer happens to speed up or slow. Uh, you yeah. know, the other cool thing is you can do kind of like, uh, who does this uh, New York guy? Uh, one of his songs is really based on, he was D5, he was at Humberville three or four years ago. Uh, ben Mommy. No, no, no um, probably uh, Kreisberg. Oh, John Kreisberg. Jonathan Kreisberg. Yeah, he uses, a, he uses that quite a bit, like, uh, yeah, so like, I do sing, I mean, these are, some of these are kind of novelty things, but I kind of Just so people know that are listening, because this is in a video, um, yeah. you've got two standard boss foot switches yeah. right next to each other, and you're actually yeah. able to press both of them with one foot. Right, yeah. That's actually kind of important cool. to know if someone's going to try to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right. so let's say, say I do something like a faster tap. This is the dog says. This is how a lot of country guys got those really quick. You're getting like you're playing eighths, yeah, but you're also getting the repeat on the last sixteenth of the beat. So you go bop bop is your eighth, and then bop right. bop, and then you get the on the on. So it all adds up to pure sixteenths. Pure sixteenths. And then, then if you I was play like right in, the, you got to play in time if you're gonna. Yeah, well the, the thing is when you had to, when you used to have to set that with your hand like on a digital like before tap tempos. Yeah. 
that was very difficult. Because yeah. The tap tempo is a no-brainer. So like, da, da. yeah. If I want to change, right. And this is doing the work for you of that dotted. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. And I just stuff like I gotta get a DD5. Yeah, yeah. Well, they all do it actually now. The DD5, the DD5 is uh, DD6 does it. I I shot away from that because for some reason they they made you hold the on off button on the delay itself to mm -hmm. set and use that switch as a tempo. It doesn't make sense. Weird. This one has a separate dedicated output. Yeah. That makes sense because right. this switch you could never the on off switch you could never get it. To work properly. DD7, they corrected that. Uh, but almost every, almost every delay gives you this option. In fact, more subdivisions like the Strymon stuff will give you like, uh, I think up to maybe like eight different subdivisions, chord wow. triplets, uh, eight chord cool. triplets, uh, whatever, you know. Right, you get right. some really complex stuff. But one of the cool things, like, like, you can do stuff like mask the input, like, like with my volume pedal. Again, my number one pedal, probably. So this is. But if I if I take away that taka taka taka, sorry, let me do this. Wow. Right, so that's actually one of the one of the Kreisberg tunes does something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, what the yeah, yeah. Remember Sounds the of everywhere at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It has that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably know the song. There it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so that's yeah. how he's doing it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you can either just actually, you know, have it he strike him out, but yeah. You know, like, like sometimes it's, this is really stupid. You didn't ask me. I'm telling you anyway. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I, a, I, I stick on my chorus pedal on delay, and all of a sudden, if you play it right, you can kind of sound like an accordion. Why would you want to sound an accordion? <laughs> You know, that sounds just like an accordion. <laughs> you know, it's just weird yeah. shit, right? Yeah. But you know, like, I remember doing something on a session once. Oh man, I wish we could uh, get this kind of like clarinetty kind of thing. And it's like, this is another thing. I forget where I learned this, but maybe it's a common, I don't know. But I, you pick kind of up the neck, maybe like exactly one octave up where you are. You get a different sonority, like more of a sine wave, kind of that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And. Uh... Oh yeah, it sounds like a reed instrument. Sounds yeah, like it sounds almost almost like an oboe, right? Yeah, yeah. And of course, I would I would uh, really exaggerate more reverb and stuff to get more of a you know kind of. Without changing anything, you and you're in hold for slam, yeah. wiggle the whammy bit, swell in. As long as you got a nice trail that they don't get yeah. too much into each other. Gorgeous. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's really basic stuff. I mean, I have more esoteric stuff at home. Mm -hmm that I use, maybe they'll get to use on an odd session or something like that. That's not even any modulation effects, really, just delay, no, that's no modulation. overdrive, reverb, basically. Yeah, I was, that was just reverb and a bit of delay. Right. Two delays with sound and volume. And the volume. Though. And now if I had, I'm working on a 
bar for a bit of vibrato, but I also love this vibrato pedal, which is oh, there you a go. really cool thing. So it's really just, it's not mixing your street signal, it's literally taking the, your, your wet signal that's being modulated. Mm -hmm. I'll turn off the delay so that confuses it. You can exaggerate that obviously, but oh. now you hear a certain thing. That differs quite radically from a chorus, let's say. Because now you're mixing right. your straight signals. So that's what right. gives you, obviously, the chorus kind of sound, right? But, but I usually have that, actually, I have that on a lot, that vibrato, just to give it a little, just to give it a little motion. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not, it's no different than somebody like Bill Frizzell hitting the harmonic. Right. You're not doing that bend, bend, I, I know you bend said, thing, you know? said you have no aspirations, but may I offer you an aspiration? Would you do a solo record with just... <laughs> you know I what? Mean, I, what I'm listening to right now is just like, you know, yeah. I would love to hear you just improvise with this. Yeah, I have to do that sometime. An an and I have no excuse anymore because I've never got into the recording thing at all. Zilch. Zip. Never even got like a, the original four-track cassette, you know, mm -hmm. Fostex, like where everybody started or something, right? But I do have friends now that have full-on blown, full-blown studios. Mm. Who offer me time whenever I want, and you know, I, I use excuses of uh, teaching. I've been, I'm doing theater a lot of the time, which takes up that's a lot of time between yeah. two full days of teaching and eight shows a week. And, and three daughters. Three daughters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're 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 not a uh, they're they're grown up and gone. Oh, okay. And, but they were never a problem anyway. But yeah, I, I've, I've always uh, again I've always I've always enjoyed playing other people and I, I, I will do that sometimes looping live looping with guys and stuff and I, I incorporate that stuff I just haven't done my own thing doing it right I mean I've got examples of me doing it in, in project bands you know like yeah. we did a nice record with Maharaj on it with uh, Mark Camilleri uh, you know Mark mm. he's a keyboard player he's does all kinds of things but um, he's uh, he's got a really good studio like mm. a, like a full-on you know and uh, we, we did a project, uh, his wife is a singer, a very good singer, the theatrical and uh -huh. a really good singer. And it, it was kind of a project for her and we did some covers, actually some theater covers, but didn't done differently. Mm -hmm. I won't bore you with which ones they were, but and some original stuff. So what am I getting at this? Oh, um, yeah, I've got, I got carte blanche to do whatever I want on that record, yeah. right? So like, yeah. you know, he's, he's a real piano player. Mm. He, if he doesn't have to ever have to touch a synthesizer in his life, he's be happy as a, a lot. Right, right? Right. He doesn't know from that, so that's my job. Basically, right. I like I fill in all those blanks. Any pads that were going on, I would I would just okay, mm. let run it. Let me let me stack a couple pads left, right, mm. delays, and a little harmonic, a little texture mm -hmm. behind here, whatever you know. Cool. And so I, I I feel like my playing has been represented on different people's. I just haven't yeah. put anything on on my own. Sure. I mean, I'm just talking about my experience right now. Just hearing yeah. this little super chant, you know, with your sound coming over. It's just a beautiful tone. I'd love to hear just you know some yeah, solo stuff but i mean obviously i would like to hear this too yeah i i have to sit down and do this someday and you're listening through a one eight one eight inch speaker yeah i it's mean stereo that, it takes on a that, that is just great i mean yeah, yeah it's just stereo but i That's mean 10 uh, actually it's a very small amp though i think a solo tony zorzi record would be amazing <laughs> yeah. oh thanks I, I, yeah. uh, one day one day cool <laughs> well let's play one more tune and call it a day okay yeah um you want to do the little sunflower? Sure, why not do that? Because yeah. that gives me a little room to simple tune and. Yeah.
thing. So this is the kind of thing I probably would, you know, depending on the context, I would probably use my dailies fairly heavily because it's a big open kind of, you know, structure. That, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, harmonic structure is very simple in this tune, so I kind of fill in the blanks, you know. Great. Oh, one of the other things I want to say about these delays too, which all delays have now, is too, is a neat kind of reverse C function. Here, kind of got like, yeah. It still mixes in some of the original signal, but that's actually kind of a benefit. You kind of you hear some. Yeah. So I use that sometimes just because it creates kind of a, a nice little motion and ambience without being time too time specific. Mm. Cool. Wow. Yeah, so Rich. it's not... So anyway, that's something I would probably, you know, so let's okay. just just Alright, let's use that. Sounds like we're doing uh, something else. We're not <laughs> main important, but. Thank you. 
Trapped in too much delay swirl, no, and then yeah. oh, I want to do a fast like, but my delays are gonna mess it up. So yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, I like it. I yeah, love yeah. it. That's All right. Well, fun. thank you so much for doing this. Hey, yeah. Pleasure. Such a good head. Yeah. 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 All right. Nice.